we're in a series called Revive. And really the, the picture of this is a heart or a spirit that has been flatlined because of the things of life and needs to be resuscitated, right? Uh, have you ever felt flatlined before with your walk with God? You felt like you're not hearing God, you're not feeling God, it's, it's flatlined? Have you felt that before? Really what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is how to resuscitate your spirit and how you can come alive again. Now today we're going to talk about something a little different because I believe that God has resuscitated many of us, um, but God wants us to begin to take some preventatives, right? He wants us to take some preventatives to ever getting flatlined again, right? When you go to the doctor and you check your, your blood count and you check your heart rate, he'll, he'll give you a prescription. he say, you know, uh, cholesterol might be a little high or this might be a little high or low. And he will give you something, he will give you a plan to prevent your heart from going out, right? And so how many of you know that God is our great physician? He wants to give us antidotes, he wants to give us instruction so that we can begin to avoid uh, becoming flatlined. Now I'm going to read a few scriptures and we're going to get started. In uh, John 5.24 it says, if you believe in him, you're going to have everlasting life. If you believe in him, you're going to have everlasting life and that you come from death to life. How many of you are glad that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to know him or have life that you can have it starting today? And if you don't know Jesus today, today's your day to know him, to get to know him. This is real life. This is why you were born. And the Bible says that when we have faith in him and we put our trust in him, he gives us everlasting life. He brings us from death to life. Now, in Psalms 51.10, it, it ta it's David talking, and he says, God, give me a pure heart. Just like that doctor in the natural says, hey, you got to get, get some things, you got to get some things straight so that, that the blood that's going through your heart, that it's healthy, right? How many of you know that you need healthy hearts? Look at your neighbor and say, your heart needs to be healthy. Listen to the heart of David. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit. I love that word, loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. How many of you know that in Matthew 5 it says that those that have a pure heart, they begin to see God. Those with a pure heart, they see God. They experience God. They get to know God. Those that have a pure heart. Now, really, the objective of my message today is really found in Psalms 91. And we're going to skip around to some scriptures in there. But it is Psalms 91, 2 through 4. You can write this down. 9 through 10 and verse 15. I want to read that. If we can get that on the screens. It says this. How many of you want to know God's promises today? How many of you want to know what God's going to do in your life starting today? It says this. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap. Come on, I want you to look at that. I want you to highlight it, underline it, circle it, 
put stars by it. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Listen to this. I love this. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Some of you, maybe you feel like you're overcome with evil, but God wants you to put on your protection, which is his promises, and know that that is not going to overtake you. No plague will come near your home. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. Aren't you glad about that? The Bible does not promise that we don't go through trouble. He promises that he's going to be with you through trouble. And so when we go through trouble, God's there and he gives us the right perspective and we're able to conquer things that people in the world are not able to conquer because we have a different hope. I will rescue and honor them. How many of you know that God desires for you to not just overcome the enemy's traps, but to enter into the blessing that he has for your life? So when you begin to detect where the enemy is trying to trap you, you can, begin to, uh, you can begin to go the other direction and begin to enter into God's promises. But it's important that we understand his traps. It's, under, it's important that we understand when it, the enemy is trying to trick us. And this is the thing. A lot of times Christians have the mentality of they're always watching out for the enemy. And they're always, they get tied up in sin. But this is the truth. When you overcome the enemy, you become further into your purpose. When you overcome the enemy, there's a blessing on the other side of the test, right? And the enemy wants to trap you, but God wants you to not just watch out for the enemy. He wants you to overcome the enemy and start to enter into the blessing that God has for your life. How many of you want to enter the blessing that God has in your life? Come on, let's pray. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, begin to speak to us. Come on, if you feel comfortable, just lift your hand. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, speak to me. Change the way that I think. Speak to my heart. I, I give you all my attention. Change me by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. The title of my message today is, Overcoming traps, overcoming traps. How many, um, how many couples do we have in here, married couples? How many happy married couples do we have in here? If, if you're married for a while, you treasure, you start to treasure date nights, right? How many of you love date nights? You enjoy date nights? Leah and I had a date night Friday night, and uh, we had everything, you know, set. We had the, we, we stayed at home. We had the, the, uh, the movie that we wanted to watch. We had the meal that we wanted to, to uh, eat. We had the kids sleeping. You know what I mean? The kids were sleeping. They were in bed. Can I hear an amen on that? They're in bed, and the setting is right. I mean, we're connecting. We're laughing. We're having a fun, uh, a fun night. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this blood-curdling scream. Now, this scream is not any ordinary scream. 
You know that kind of scream that like puts chills on the back of your neck? You know, you can hear a scream and be like, yeah, somebody's freaked out. But this scream was like a piercing, like it pierced right through you type scream, like a the ultimate fearful scream. And it, it startled it startled me so bad. I jumped up. I started to ask Leah what it was. You know, the kids are coming out. They're probably picturing some kind of axe murderer in my living room. You know what I mean? Everybody's running around trying to figure out, what are you screaming about? Why are you screaming? Now, this was like a deep in your soul frightening scream. And she begins to tell us what she saw. She saw a life-threatening, ravenous, very intimidating little mouse in the house. I mean, she was disturbed. It ruined the whole night. I'm, I'm, I'm like hating the mouse at that point. My date night is practically ruined because uh, she's not getting over the, the mouse in the house. This is not a rat. It's a mouse, you know. And so, um, so the whole time, you know, we're trying to make light of it. The kids and I are making like little rat faces and going up to her trying to. She's not liking it. Nothing's funny. Nothing's funny about it. When she's going to the bathroom, she's doing like a high step. You know, you see in football when people enter into the end zone, this is how she is operating in our bedroom. And, and I'm thinking our date night is completely ruined. It's completely ruined. So I try to ensure her. I try to say, listen, I know where the mouse came from. And when you saw it, it was running back in that direction. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll close a little trap that I have in the fireplace. And that's, that's where it came from. It's, it's not there anymore. I tried to say, listen, it's not there anymore. I'm trying to bring peace to the situation. Of course, I didn't think that that was true. <laughs> I knew the, the mouse was sitting over there just looking at us and laughing at us. And then I try to ensure her a little more, and I say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get a trap, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find this mouse for you. I'm going to be the conqueror, right? Some people hunt for big, big uh, horns or big fish. or I'm, I'm, I hunt for mice and rats. I've killed a rat before. It felt so good. I wanted to mount it on the wall. You know what I mean? It felt, it felt like I conquered. So I, I, uh, she wants me to get a certain type of trap. Now, these, the kind of trap she wants me to get, it's like this little box and the, uh, the mouse goes in this little box and, and uh, it's going after a bait at the end of the box and it just closes up and a little flag, a little cute flag comes up and says, caught. Because, because she doesn't want to actually see the rat with his head chopped off. Right? So I go and, and buy the cute little trap that I know is not going to work. But I'm going to put it in there, and uh, I set up the trap, and uh, I'm going to bed. I'm knowing this is not going to work. So I wake up in the morning. Lo and behold, the rat did not go through the tunnel. It was a smart rat. It, it was an intelligent rat. It went on the other side and peeled open the back. Uh, these things are smart. Don't think they're not. Peeled open the back of where I put the little peanut butter. It didn't go through the tunnel, and it chewed out all, all, of, the, all of the stuff. I mean, it wasn't like there was no remainings of peanut butter. It was gone. So, of course, I did not tell Leah. <laughs> she said, anything getting there? I was like, no, I don't know. It's just it's not where I said, but you know what? I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get another try. She's like, no, leave the one you got. I said, no, I'm going to get another one. And so... Uh, and so I go and I get the real kind of traps, you know what I mean? 
the real ones, the, the victor ones, the ones that just, they look mean. And um, so I put, I put the peanut butter on there. It's late at night. I'm feeling like I'm really hunting. You know, I'm scouting out where it came back, and, and I'm, I'm putting everything on there. And you got to put it on the edge, you know, of the house because they like to travel along. Y'all are never going to want to come to my house again. <laughs> Y'all are looking at me like I'm not coming over with any kind of invite. And so I, I put it there. She went to sleep. I was like up. I was up waiting to, to hear something. And, and lo and behold, about five, ten minutes, I hear a smack. I hear a smack in the living room. I go in there, and the rat is caught. I feel like a conqueror. I feel like a, a hunter. <laughs> I celebrated. I ate like three cookies that night. Everybody was sleeping, but I was, I was in a celebration mode. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great conquest. We're not going to mention the other, the other mice that we found, but <laughs> they're, uh, they're, uh, they're going to get dealt with as well. But, you know, it, it, it's true that, uh, you know, just like you had to find where the rat was coming and one trap doesn't work, you got to get another trap, you got to find out where it is. You know, the enemy's the same way. And, and, and really, even in P- Peter says, listen, you got to begin to know the traps of the enemy because the enemy wants to keep you out of your purpose. And so I'm going to talk about three different kinds of traps today because maybe the enemy set out a trap and you've overcome that. But there are some traps that you're overlooking, and if you don't watch it, it can really hinder your life. Now, the first kind of trap, it's an open-air trap. It's an open air. Mark, do you have that? Do you have that trap? It's an open air trap. Now, this is like a big uh, kind of trap uh, that, that catches mice, but we, we put it on a, uh, a silver platter because that's, that's how we do it. Um, we, we, we have this, this trap. Now, be careful because these things have a sense. Hey, put that away from you so it doesn't. Now, if we look at this trap, can you kind of tilt it a little bit so that they can see it? Now, whoa! <laughs> That's just as good as my illustration. If you, if you, good job. Let's give Mark a hand. He did so good today. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> Now, if you notice, if you notice, I can pick it up now because it's already engaged. This is the kind of trap that's just open air. It's the kind of trap that um, you don't think anything's coming. You don't think anything's wrong. You have no kind of suspicion. You're just looking at that big piece of cheese at the end of that trap. You're just going along your way. And this is what this trap represents. This trap, on this trap, the enemy wants to set the bait the bait of pride. Now, a lot of times in our life, we can recognize pride in our life when we have good times in our life. Now, you're doing good. Things are consistent. You prayed four days in a row. You're feeling spiritual. You're feeling awesome. Things are getting paid for, right? You have a consistent walk. You're feeling good about yourself. Anybody ever been there? You're feeling good about yourself. And, and, and this is, these are really good times, but there's something that we really have to watch out for. And what we have to watch out for is pride. 
because pride can be really subtle. It's, oh, it's just out in the open. You know when you're starting to deal with pride when you become the detector of weaknesses. You're doing so good, you can just begin to tell everybody else what they should be doing. Right? I mean, you've got the steady job. You're paying your bills. You're, you go to church. And all of a sudden, if you don't watch it, this thing called pride can get out in the middle of your life. And the enemy's like, oh, he's doing good? Perfect. I'm going to see if he's going to take the bait of pride. I'm going to see. And you can start to notice in your life if pride is in your life. Why? Because you don't notice the good things in people. You start noticing the bad things in people. You start to notice that pride's in your life because you feel like you're so accomplished that you can start to talk about people. Now, the Bible is very clear about slander. The Bible is very clear. And actually, in Philippians, let's read it. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Now, this is, uh, this is real, right? How many people do you see as better? See, this is not uh, somebody that has low self-esteem. See, because you can have good self-esteem and see the good in everybody. Come on. You can have good self-esteem. See, you have to know that you're the best you, but you are not the best. You're the best you. Feel good about it. Feel good about it. I went to buy, uh, when I bought Leah the ring, I went to a jeweler, he was a friend of mine, and uh, he started showing me all these rings that were like in the, the same price range. And all the rings, you know, he, he made all of them. He set all the diamonds in there. They were all different. They are around the same price range. And I started to say, well, which one do you like better? Which one do you think? He's like, man, I can't, I can't tell you. The way this one reflects light when it's over here and the way this one is set right here. Because he made them all, he loved them all. They were all different, but he made them all. So he did not favor one after the other. You might shine in a different way. But you have to know somebody with good self-esteem doesn't, you know, our America, America is all about being the best, right? You can go to, um, you can go to the sports store, store and uh, you can see all the T-shirts, right, all the athletic T-shirts. They're going to have, like, narcissistic stuff on it everywhere, right? I'm the best. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm faster. And listen, this is America, right? But how many of you know that we don't need a worldly culture in a Christian uh, lifestyle, and although you are great, it doesn't mean that you now are set on a, on, on a high horse that's able to look down on everybody else. And a hint of a slander, let, let me tell you what they did. And You know, as a matter of fact, you read your Bible now, and reading your Bible has to do about what everybody else is doing wrong. You're like, oh, man, they really, they really need to hear this. <laughs> they, they are messed up. Now, I, need to, I need to send this scripture to this person. Instead of letting the word of God penetrate your heart, all of a sudden you're a person that can, that, that can just point fingers. How many of you know the Bible says not to be like that? We've all been tempted with this prod. We've all been tempted with this prod. Now, the consequence of this prod is very, very subtle. But if you will watch the consequence of pride, you can no longer really hear the voice of God. 
Self-righteousness has actually cut out the voice of God in your life. Why? Because God loves the proud? Because God loves the proud? Or does he resist the proud? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if you find yourself in a place where you're not feeling like you're receiving, vision is far away and fuzzy, and you're not hearing from God, and it's more like just a good message for you, you have to know that pride is the thing that we can eat of that can really cause us to be separated from the voice of God. What does Jesus say? He says, those that try to exalt themselves will be humbled, and those that humble themselves will be exalted. Right? And so it is important to understand, you saw that trap. That trap is um, it's designed for one thing. That one thing is to cut off that mouse's head. Right? How many of you know that when you get a big head, it's inevitable that it's going to get cut off? You might not, it might not happen just then, but just like Absalom, Absalom thought he was so awesome. It's the only time I hear in the Bible that calls a man beautiful. I don't know if there's one man on the earth as far as guys are concerned that are beautiful, but this guy was was considered beautiful. And you know what? He started, he couldn't find his place. He couldn't be the best him. He had to begin to to begin to uh, work the deal, right? He was prideful. As a matter of fact, it wasn't like God took off his head. He took off his own head. His head got caught up in a tree because it was too big. It was too big. Listen, a lot of times when we get a big head, I know, I know as far as Americans, we got we to gotta be, con- be confident in who you are in God. Be confident in who you are in God. It is, the, it is the difference between being confident and conceited. I know who I am in God. And guess what? I can learn from anybody. Do you think that? Do you think you can learn from anybody? Because the test for your life is to learn from people that might not be as qualified as you. Can you listen? Can you learn? Or are you just awesome? I'm awesome. You know, it's those in, in the book of Proverbs, it's those that, that prod, they turn a deaf ear. They've turned a deaf ear. I'm going to do it my way. I'm doing it. It's never, it's never seeing that. It's never, see, if you can't hear from people and get instruction from people, you can't get instruction from God. This is the problem with Pharisees, right? They had a brand new guy, the brand new guy in church, right? He had a brand new guy. He was blind, then all of a sudden, boom, God opened his eyes. And he starts walking around, he can see. And the Pharisees start asking him questions. And the blind guy, he's just innocently talking. And he says, you know what, you're saying he's not the Messiah, but nobody else has opened blind eyes. Nobody else has opened deaf ears. Do you know what they got mad about? They said, who are you to be teaching us? We know all about scripture. We are self-righteous. We've been in church for 30 years Who are you to try to teach us? And this is why the Pharisees could never receive from God. It's the one Jesus loved everybody, the prostitutes, the, the, the drug lords, the everybody, but he could not get through a self-righteous spirit. 
I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm going to only listen to the people that are above me. I'm, I, I, I'm better than, listen, if you don't watch it, it is the deepest darkness that you can get. Self-reliance, self-righteousness, right? The Bible says, how dark is the darkness in your eye when you think that darkness is actually light? I'll tell you, I know. I, nobody else can tell me anything. As a matter of fact, you know, this person's trying, but you know their issue, and, and this person, you know their issue, and, and you know what? I got it together. I'm self-reliant. I'm self-righteous. I go to church, and why does it, if he would just do this, ABC, and God said, listen, listen, look at your servant. Look at Jesus that came on the earth that died as a servant, the king that humbled himself as a servant. When you begin to overcome pride in your life, you begin to hear God's voice in a louder, brighter, crisp way than you ever have before. Not good like, let me give you five inspirational quotes. No, you're really hearing from God. How many of you want to hear from God? If you want to hear from God, begin to not take the bait of pride. We've all been guilty of it. We've all been guilty of it. But we have to say, you know what, the more that I resist pride in my life, the more I hear from God. That's why people have a difficult time doing the right thing because they only live their life to try to avoid the bad thing. But if you avoid the bad thing knowing that the good thing's coming after that, it's a lot easier to avoid the bad thing. Some of you, your husbands, your wife, your future husbands and wife, they're right there. But God is saying you got to overcome this trap. You got to overcome this trap. The promotion, different things in your life is right there, but you got to overcome the trap. And one of the biggest traps from the enemy is pride. It's why the enemy fell himself, and he loves to watch you catch the bait. Be humble. Think of people better than yourself. Come on. How many of you want to be around people? See, Proud people can be admired, but they're never liked. Proud people can be admired, but nobody wants to be around a proud person. Those that can see the good in other people, no matter their pedigree, no matter their title, no matter where they've been, no matter how long they've been there, they look with the eyes of Jesus and dig deep into their heart, and they see this person's a diamond. This person can shine like no other. Come on, how many of you want to skip pride? The second thing is this. The second trap that the enemy tries to set up, it's a box trap. Do we have that picture in the screen? It's a box trap. Now, I love this. This is a homemade box trap right here. I'm determined to make one because I am the, the rat master. Got to watch out for the pride. I'm the, I'm the mouse master killer. And so I'm, I'm motivated to make, so this catches all kinds of rodents, but, but if you notice this little T-shape right here, that it's coming down, it has bait in the back of there, and there's a little notch that's holding up uh, from keeping that door from sliding down. So the, the rodent or whatever it is goes in there, it grabs the bait, it loosens this little part on the back, and the door slams shut. Now this is a... The, the box trap is something that the enemy wants to set up in your life when you're going through dark times. Is this, a, is this a tunnel right here? Is this a dark, do you have to go into a dark place to get this bait? 
you have to go into a dark place to get this bait. And see, when you are in a dark place, there's things that happen in your heart that you really have to fight. There's a bait in the dark place. When you're going through a hard time, when you have, have, have felt like you've done everything that you could do, it's a dark time, you're, and things are just falling all around you, the enemy wants to bring a bait in your life. This bait is called the bait of offense. In a dark time, it is easy to start to question yourself. And human nature does this. Instead of questioning myself, I'm going to begin to blame somebody else. It is a natural reaction. It is a reaction in a dark time that I'm not going to take full ownership. I'm going to begin to blame somebody else. And blame starts to get twisted into bitterness. And bitterness begins to get in your heart. And the Bible says... The Bible says that it will actually keep you out of your inheritance. I'm just mad. You know, everybody gets mad. Watch out for that bait. See, because when you're in a dark place, you get sensitive. When you're in a dark place, you get sensitive, and you start taking everything sensitive. Somebody didn't come and hug you but hugged everybody else, and you got mad. And you know why they didn't hug me is because of A, B, and C. Now you're starting to get fearful and you start to be like the suspicious person and it's not even true. But when you're in a bad place, you start to question yourself. And you begin to blame and you begin to look at other people. And before you know it, it's usually somebody that's the closest to you that you begin to lay hold of that bitterness in your life. If you lay hold of that bitterness, you're trapped. The door's coming down. There's shut doors in your life. You're in a box. You can't get out. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way? I'm in a, I, like, I, I just, I don't, you know what God said? You know what Jesus said? He said, before you ever come into my presence, if you know somebody else that has a problem with you, make it right with that person. Now, see, this is why I have a problem with this scripture. Me and God have debated this many times. Because God, I say, God, I can't help if they have a problem with me. What if I have a problem with them? Doesn't it only apply if I have a problem with that person? And God says, no, it's very clear. If you know somebody that has a problem with you, go make it right with them. See, Scripture is very clear and you can't get around it. What did Jesus say? Jesus says things that we can't hear. As a matter of fact, he says, he says, listen, I don't only want you to forgive your enemies, I want you to bless them. Ouch. How can you get around that? I don't, I don't want you to just forgive them, bless them. This is another level right here. But I have to ask you this. How much do you want the presence of God? Because the Bible says that you can't even get into the presence when you have bitterness in your heart. See, it's the presence of God that powers us up as a Christian. Right now, if your phone is on low, 2%, you're freaking out. You can't live without your phone. You know you got to get it powered up. And if we live in a box of offense for long enough, you will find yourself vulnerable and weak waiting for the enemy to begin to get you out. You think you got it taken care of because you've eaten this bait several times. But God is saying, listen, I know they did wrong, but you did wrong to me. I know you did wrong, but what about that time when you spit in my face? 
and I forgave you. These are one of the scriptures, you know, in Hebrews 12, it says you become weak when you hold bitterness in your life and don't take the bait. Don't take the bait like Esau took the bait. He traded his whole inheritance because of offense. Come on, this is when it gets real. Oh, I forgive them, I forgive them. Yeah, but you mentioned their name. It's like, uh, this is something that I have to go back to with God over and over. Am I the only one? Come on, that, that nature comes out. I'm not, I'm not budging. I'm not talking. Don't even come and talk. As a matter of fact, you ever talk to somebody and you're nice to them and then you thought you shouldn't have been nice to them? <laughs> you start playing in your head. I should have told them they're a fool. You know what I mean? Jesus even talks about that. He says, uh, don't call anybody raka. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like a curse word. Raka. It just sounds bad. All of a sudden in, in you, you know, you want, to, uh, you want to tell them how it is. And you feel like if you tell them how it is, it's going to make it, make it better. This is what I've learned. It doesn't make them better. i tell you what makes it better. The love of God makes it better. When you love them past their offensive behavior, I can, I, can, I can honestly say it's one of those scriptures that you can really struggle with. But let me tell you this. God put me to the test in this, and he knows that I did not want to do it just a couple weeks ago. And when I begin to put this in practice, I can tell you that I felt the presence of God more than I had in a long, long time. Let me ask you, is your, is your offense more important than the presence? Because you got to get powered up, man. You got to get powered up. Your bars need to be on full. And, and the Bible is very emphatic on the fact that we should make peace with all men. Come on, somebody. I mean, this is one of the things that really identifies and distinguishes and sets us apart is this one thing called love. And if we don't have it, the Bible says everything else you do is a waste because you didn't have that one thing called love. Well, look at what I built and look at what I did and look at all my accolades and God's like, you don't have love in your heart. Come on. How many of you want to be determined? Now, I understand some of you have been violated. Some of you have been treated wrong. Some of you have had to deal with things that you never did to anybody else. But the mark of God, the difference between our God and other false gods is this one thing. He is love. It's not that he does love. He is love. My kids in the back seat were talking about God, and they were really talking about the attributes or the characters of God, which is to, to, to you know, be kind and, not, and all these things. And they started to ask about God, and, and it was a revelation. You know, God will begin to speak to you with your children begin to be a revelation. You've heard it thousands of times, but the time that you hear that God is love, I believe you'll never be the same. How many of you know that we're going after that? Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you've gone through a difficult time. Maybe you've been abused, and God is going to begin because you humble yourself, because you don't take the bait, because you cross over the bait, this is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to enter into the presence of God like you never had before. You're going to feel God like you never had before because you went the extra mile. Come on. The third thing is this. The third thing, y'all okay? 
The third thing is this. It is, it is a, a foot snare. I'm acting like I know these things. I just looked them up. But I think this is pretty cool because this is, this is the trap that the enemy lays for you. See on the screen? It's a foot, foot snare. The, the, uh, the, the animal, see, there's no bait in here. There's no bait in here. Because the hunter doesn't need a bait because it's followed its tracks for so long. That the hunter does not need bait for this one. For this one, it is in a crowded area that this animal goes in this route all the time. He thinks it's comfortable. It thinks it's good. Now, the thing about this one, they say when you set this one, you have to really get away of all your scent. Because if the animal doesn't scent it, you know, it will go right through and it will trap them. How many of you know that the enemy sometimes doesn't need any bait for you? You've already baited yourself. This represents times in your life where habits in your life that aren't broken and you feel like you've gone this route many times. You think it's okay, but the enemy's watching your steps. The enemy wants you to lay hold of this thing called lust. See, we think of lust as always sexual, and, and it is a partly, but lust can be this desire that becomes something over God. It is a desire that actually becomes an idol in your life. And the enemy's like, I don't need any bait. They're going to destroy themselves. And the whole objective of this bait is to trap their feet or their hands. See, you think it's a sin, but you're just overcoming sin. It's not just a sin that you're trying to overcome. It's a sin that's trapping your hands and feet that's keeping you out of the purpose of God. It's keeping you out of working for God and the purpose of God. And in and, and these times, we find ourselves in these times of uh, difficulty given into temptation. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you all of you have been given into temptation. You need to watch it. I think of all of us have been tempted. I think all of us have been tempted and all of us have fallen in, temp in temptation. And I want to encourage somebody in here that maybe you've been tempted over and over and you've taken the bait. God is not done with you yet. That's for somebody, for you, that's somebody here today, you got to know that God is not done with you yet. The reason why you keep giving into this thing is because you don't understand and see the doors that God's going to open when you get away from this thing. Come on, you're sensing it. You're like, ah, yeah, give God a hand if you want to. Come on, you're sensing it. You know that that relationship's toxic. You know that this pattern is toxic in your life, and you sense it, but you've been going down this road anyway. What does Proverbs say? Proverbs says, go ahead and evaluate the man that follows the harlot down the street. It says, watch him. He blatantly said, I love how the Bible puts it plain. It says, this man is stupid. You can look at it in, in New King James. You can look at King James Version. You can go all. But there's one thing in common, that this man is stupid. Now, there is a way that seems really good. Let me just go down the street. Let me just check it out. 
See, the enemy's watching what streets you're going down. And it's time to begin to understand that this man, because he went down the street, the Bible says it wasn't that he just fell. The Bible says that the street of unfaithfulness, that you will lose everything. 30 years of marriage, going good. One mess up. Kids, everything, one mess up. It throws it all away. Aren't you glad that God hasn't thrown you away? Aren't you glad he's the ultimate rebuilder and redeemer? That even though he's seen you fall, he's going to begin to show you what's on the other side. He's going to begin to heal your heart. Come on. So what does this mean? If, if, uh, if we fall in this way, if we overcome this way, it is the reciprocal of the curse. It is the opposite of what we miss out on. If you lose everything, then when you overcome this temptation, you got to know that God's going to begin to see your heart and begin to bless you and to give you things and the promises that you've been believing for. He says, you see this little thing? See this little, little bait? Overcome it this time. You're going to begin to step into blessing. You're going to find yourself stronger. See, God's not done with you yet. you got to today, you have to be in full confidence that your past is over. Come on, say this with me. My past is over. Say this with me. His grace is greater. My future is brighter. I think we need to say that again. You need to say it like you mean it. My past is over. Do you believe that? My past is over. His grace is greater. See, the problem is you think the sin is greater than God's grace, and God's grace is a lot stronger than that sin. You think that this draw is overcoming you, but what the Bible says is that the Holy Spirit in you has overcome the world. I'm trying to tell you today, maybe you've been in sin. Maybe you keep going back to that sin. Maybe you feel trapped and it's stripped your ministry away from you. I'm telling you today that God is not done with you yet. You can make a decision that your past is over. You can make a decision to believe that his grace is greater and that your future is brighter. Come on, he's not done with you yet. God wants to do a work in you. you got to begin to say, listen, I'm the righteousness of God. He believes in me. I'm one of those diamonds. He made me. He set me. Come on, you got to get over your past. you got to get an attitude. Quit getting a victim mentality. Listen, begin to rise up and say, I'm a child of God. I've already overcome the world. To be honest with you. You know, my dad across the street, he's been doing some renovations. He's, you know, the house is really nice. He renovated the house a long time ago. <laughs> but the work on his house lately has been, I feel like, somebody from somebody that doesn't know him would be a little concerned. There's parts of the house missing. Ladders are everywhere. It's halfway primed. I mean, if I, was, if I was somebody that didn't know him, I'd be like, oh, it was nice. It was really nice. But that was like you had your day. Things are not going well for you. I mean, it is like halfway done and a little whatever. But this is the thing. I know the owner. 
Somebody from the outside might look and say, you know what, uh, that looks halfway done. But I know the owner. So it doesn't matter if it looks halfway done. I know it's going to get done. And you got to be confident in your owner. Your body is not your own anymore. God's going to finish the work that he started in you. You got to begin to rise up and see who God made you to be. Come on. You got to rise up and see who God made you to be. His grace is greater. His grace is greater. Maybe you found yourself in a trap. Maybe you found yourself far away from God. If you don't have a relationship with God, the one thing that the enemy would try to tell you is that you can't have one. And I'm trying to tell you today that if you just believe in who he is and not try to get it all together, you believe in what he can do, he's going to begin to take care of those things that you're trying to get together. And God's going to begin to take you. And maybe you're an unfinished product, but welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. I haven't found somebody that is completely finished yet. But God wants to start a work in you that will overcome the world. And he's looking at you right now. And maybe you feel down. Maybe you feel low. Maybe you feel like, man, God seems so far away. This is the good news. When you begin to put your trust in him, the Bible says all the walls that you feel, all the separation that you feel, it comes down and you begin to have a relationship with Jesus. This is the trap of your life is to think that you can't do it. You can do it. God, I, I, God obviously brought you here for a reason. He doesn't look for those that are already qualified. He looks for those that are humble enough to say, I need them.